Welcome to Sales Cultures Redefined, where we transform people with purpose, income, and a better life. Here's your host, CEO of Sales Managed Solutions, Lance Cooper. Thank you. Because I know you want to coach and mentor your people. And I know you want their sales and income to increase. And I know you want them to develop new habits that will bring a positive effect on sales and incomes and even customer satisfaction and loyalty. I even believe you want to be successful as a positive agent of change in many parts of a person's life. But changes in education and governance views and the family structure have affected the growth and development of the people you lead from early childhood on. These include society's release of previous standards and traditional moral norms. For example, families that stay together with fathers remaining in a parental role and the decisions and communication of parents regarding all kinds of values and beliefs, including divorce and marital faithfulness. These, among other effects, have resulted in delayed maturity, broken homes, and children experiencing life without their biological fathers. Research associated with the absence of a father shows several negative outcomes. Doctors McClanahan, Teach, and Schneider of Princeton, Cornell, and University of California, Berkeley, reviewed 47 peer-related studies in the United States, Great Britain, Canada, South Africa, Germany, Sweden, Australia, Indonesia, and Norway. And they reviewed them for the causal effects of a father's absence. In 2013, they published their findings that males and females experience the following consequences when dads go missing during their development into adults. Increases in risky behavior such as smoking or early childbearing. Negative effects on high school graduation. Higher levels of labor force inactivity. Greater drug and alcohol use. More problem behaviors which affect educational attainment. Affected social-emotional outcomes, aggression, anxiety, and depression. So people accept sales positions with lost potential, kept passive toward the future, or addicted to what feels good in the present as they live without plans for a better future. You know, there's stored-up potential, and it exists within every sales rep. They are wound up like rubber band airplanes not yet released or like batteries with unconnected terminals and the need to connect themselves and get into action to make a positive change. In this situation, many experience anxiety and fear, fear of commitment, for example. Exceptional sales leaders like you find and help salespeople release their unrealized potential. Let me say that again. Exceptional sales leaders like you find and help salespeople release their unrealized potential. They coach and mentor them. So today, at the root of it all, what keeps reps bound up in their potential? What causes a new rep to do well and then drop back to low levels of production? Six reasons. Poor self-image or self-worth no goals, or an ambition for the future, so they can't tie today's actions to a future and have that motivating reason for it, product dissatisfaction, just a low belief in the product or service, 
And perhaps a, a sales process is more focused on sales than it is in helping other people, the purpose of that. Job dissatisfaction, the bad effects of leader or, or the culture. Low skills, they just don't know how. And then a fixed mindset that causes them to quit and they have the need to be perfect or safe or think they're already there or they, or they should receive something without working very hard at it. Let's say you're ready to talk with your people and make it a special and transformative moment, even a life-changing experience and certainly one that increases sales. Here are the usual five and more frequent motives you will have for a one-on-one discussion with a salesperson. For each, I have written the skill and behaviors for you to use to make your conversation powerful and productive for you and your sales rep. Now, the first one, your motive when you approach the person is confidence. You want to give them confidence. You want them to know that they have what it takes. You have what it takes. You think that when you look at the person. And the skill or behavior that you use, you tell them what you see in them with a word picture and facts, either from their past performance and their history or on the job, their attributes, their progress, the numbers, what you saw in them when you hired them. In other words, build a word picture that you believe holds the truth of their stored up potential and evidence. And you can do this for your kids or your grandkids as well. Next motive, recognition. I appreciate you. You're going to applaud their progress. You're going to make that recognition specific to behaviors or attitudes that you see that they have shown or that they have done that's important for sales performance or the culture's values like customer service or building a book of business or some tough situation that they overcame. The third motive is instruction. There's one thing I want you to learn. The skill or behaviors, you're going you're to use some kind of a tool like a goal and sales planning sheet. I've got one called a survival lifestyle sheet. And you're going to show them how sales goals contribute to their income and activity levels contribute to income or closing percentages. And you're going to teach them a couple of sales skills that lead to a result until they are habits. Or you're going to teach or model a new attitude in its habit. There's just one thing that you want them to learn. You're going to focus on one thing. You may bring a tool with you in order to teach them. You may bring the sales process itself and just point at one of those steps in the sales process that will make a difference, that they can do better. The fourth area or the fourth motive that you will have to move towards someone and have a one-on-one conversation is you're concerned. And there are some coaching approaches that include something I call Clear Talk, and I've written a podcast on that. I developed this tool for leaders of a multi-million dollar company years ago. I want you to listen to that special podcast on the use of this communication tool to help you confront someone over a bad attitude and behavior by being kind and direct. But also, toward the end of this podcast, I'm going to give you some additional strategies as well for this motive of moving towards someone because you're concerned. Now, the final reason or motive for talking with a rep one-on-one is evaluation. You're going to check their goal achievement progress. And the best case is have them bring their own numbers to the meeting. And certainly you research and know the numbers. 
and then ask questions about what they see and the impact, and then ask them what actions they can do to turn this around. Obviously, it's better if they can come up with the way to move ahead. If you have to clear talk, you will. There are three ways to make this coaching conversation with these five motives very powerful. You're going to listen, obviously, with well-thought-out questions, but the very first thing I want you to remember is to think of coaching as a discovery process, much like the sales process when you're asking about the needs and wants and problems of a customer before presenting to them. You're going to ask a bunch of questions. You're going to summarize the things they're saying. You're going to ask additional questions, and there's going to be some ahas between you and the rep. You both may learn something that neither knew that will help the rep grow. Number two, use numbers like a coaching tool. A goal setting sheet would be a coaching tool or or a sales process. The sales process that is typically used in your company, you're going to make that talk and discovery process easier if you're both looking at a tool instead of you looking at the rep. And then third, use ClearTalk as a strategy. When you have asked questions, listened, and asked additional questions, then the discovery process has just not been effective. Now, there are some additional questioning patterns and strategies that I promised you for talking to a rep about anything of concern. And there are three of them. And the first is what we're going to call See, Say, Do. To use See, Say, Do, you'll present a word picture that shows the situation and what's missing whatever that might be. Could have to do with performance, could have to do with a customer interaction that wasn't good. And after you present that word picture, you're going to ask, do you see what I see? And they're going to answer. And then you'll ask, what do you see? They'll answer. And you'll ask, well, what's the impact on sales or customer service or future business and whatever the area is that it would have impacted. You're going to ask, what's the impact on? And then you're going to ask them, what needs to be done or changed? Or what will you do about it? Or if you were me, what do you think I should do? And that's see, say, do, where you start off with a word picture that shows the situation. And then you ask them what they see and what the impact of that is. And then you ask them what needs to be done or changed and what will you do about it? Or if you were me, what do you think I should do? The second pattern of questions to help you with a rep about a concern is a series of behavioral questions you may use when you need to address an issue that occurred on the job. And here's what you'll do. You'll bring them in and you'll ask, what happened? And they're going to talk. And they could try to cover themselves or not take ownership, or they may take ownership. And then you ask, why is it not your fault? And then you're going to ask, what could you have done differently? And then finally, what will you commit to doing in the future? These four questions, what happened? Why is it not your fault? What could you have done differently? What will you commit to doing in the future? Gives them an opportunity to actually say what you could have said for them to discover what they could have done differently, to own up to it, to make a decision for the future without you having to clear talk. Now, you may have to summarize to help them and to keep the information flowing. As you listen, please stop at times and tell them what you hear or feel. 
and use these starting words to help you phrase your summaries. So what you're saying is, or it sounds as though, or it appears that, it seems to me that, so you really. Now, that's an incredible set of four questions with some follow-up layered questions that can get to the truth without you having to didactically just tell somebody what needs to change. It's so much more powerful for them to own up to it and decide what they're going to do next and what they should have done. This could be even uh, used with a child or a grandchild. It's just so, so powerful. Now, here's the third area. There, There are times when you may just have a moment to ask one question that will make a difference. And this may occur over a pizza or a beer or coffee. We're going to call these questions that you ask on-the-fly questions, and there are three of them. Using them will help both of you, you as a coach, gaining greater understanding in the person with their personal growth, some of which they may not have previously thought through, but the understanding of which will have profound insight that will help them. These three on-the-fly questions actually have the power to change even days afterward, as the person coached continues to think about their implication and the answers in their lives. And the very first question is probably the most powerful question of all, and it is, hey, what do you want? And and they could pass that off, and they could just actually laugh and say, well, what do you mean? (laughs) Really, what do you want? And stop. It is so powerful. People have actually not thought about it what they want. And then when they get to something that's important, that that will change their life, that will make their sales better, that will make them better, you ask them, what do you want me to do for you? And that's the second most powerful question. First one, what do you want? No, not really. What do you want? And then after the answer, and you ask, other layered questions to really understand and help them understand what will really be of benefit to them, what will be important. You ask, what do you want me to do for you? And this third question that you can use on the fly is kind of looking at the future, but coming all the way back to the present. You're going to ask it this way. Hey, John, let's say you're three years out from now and your life has changed and gotten better. Or let's say you're two years out from now and Things are going so much better at work and on this job and with your sales. What's changed? You know, that's made a difference in your work, made a difference in your sales, and maybe even made a difference at home. Why was that important? What is most important for you to do this year to start making progress? And how can I help you? Those series of questions are so powerful. I've had so many occasions where the person in front of me really began to understand what they needed out in the future. And then, for the first time, thought about what they could start doing today to make a difference and begin to move in that direction. And when you want to go deeper for what is meaningful to a person, Ask these follow-up questions as they're giving you their answer. We're going to call these layered questions. What about is so important to you? Or what does matter? 
Well, what frustrations will that remove, John? How will this make a difference in your life? And how will that feel? These and other layered questions really help a person, help you, understand what is really meaningful that will make a difference and causes them even to gain greater commitment or why for the future and for the suffering and the hard work and personal responsibility for the actions and habits they will take on today. Now, I know I've thrown a lot at you and you may want to listen to this again and again and take notes. What I've given you, I've found from experience and from many hours listening to other mentors and teachers of mine over 30 years or parenting children or grandparenting children, making tons of mistakes, coaching baseball for 20 years, and teaching thousands of sales managers and leaders and salespeople. Remember, as you apply what you learn, think of coaching as a discovery process of questions. Summaries you make, additional questions, and ahas for both you and the person. You're putting them in charge of their life, of their change. You're just the catalyst for unlocking the potential in them. And that's a humbling, purposeful, and important position to be in. And I know you will treat it with life-impacting care. Now go and serve people well. You have just listened to Sales Cultures Redefined. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play, and we'll see you at the next episode.